everybody. Welcome to another episode of Book Goodies Author Interviews uh, Podcast. My name is Deborah Carney. I'm your host. And today I have with me um, a very interesting guest, Raymond Foster. Um, Raymond, why don't you tell the people who you are and a little bit about you? Well, I spent 20, almost 25 years with the Los Angeles Police Department and uh, retired at the rank of lieutenant. Uh, after my retirement, my first book was published, and then uh, in the, the, the next eight years, I taught at uh, university and continued to write. I now have nine books out, and then went primarily now what I do is speaking and consulting. Uh, I do international police consulting, so I spend quite a bit of time on the road, um, sometimes overseas, sometimes here in the United States, and so that's kind of an outgrowth of the publishing uh, and the writing. So mm-hmm. that's, that's it. Okay. Well, that sounds very interesting, and there's a lot more to it than that. But <laughs> so, what do you? What are your consult? What do you consult about? Is it like helping uh, people get their police departments organized, or is it private security? What kinds of consulting? Well, the last major project that we wrapped up assisted the government of Jamaica in the in designing a three-year uh, nationwide anti-gang strategy. Mm-hmm. And so I spent um, almost a total of six months in Jamaica um, really working with all levels of government, from their Ministry of National Security to their Defense Force, the Constabulary. Uh, I traveled through all 19 parishes. I met with uh, just about every community group you could shake a stick at and a lot of NGOs and foreign governments. And so that was really a high-level project and mm-hmm. uh, very intensive. Uh, I then just, and that was, we concluded that in December, so that's about six months ago. Since then, a smaller project was that I put together an eight-hour training course and delivered it on leadership for the uh, state of Minnesota, and they sent 200 of their uh, top law enforcement executives uh, basically captains on up from the entire state as well as from South Dakota and I think Wisconsin too and apparently that was successful because they ordered 250 more copies of my leadership book nice me yeah that tells me they're gonna do it again probably next year so the the consulting projects range from real intensive and real thorough to not so much okay awesome um, so what was your first book about it was called, or is called, Police Technology. Um, I, uh, the story of how I write the book tells you really what the book's about. Okay. Uh, about 10 years ago, I was sitting in my office at the police department, and I was running the fugitive section. I had 75 detectives working for me, and my boss, the captain, walked in, and he said, hey, you want to apply for a grant, this, this technology grant? And I said, sure, when's it due? And he says, three days. I'm like, well... <laughs> Okay, so I pulled in a few of my supervisors, we sat down, we put the pen to paper, and we produced this grant. But like any good grant writer, I put in conference money. Right. Well, we, we were awarded this quarter million dollar grant for this technology project, and so I started looking for conferences. Mm-hmm. And I saw this conference in Hawaii, and I knew there was no way that the police department, even if I had the money, <laughs> uh, was going to send me to Hawaii as, uh, as an observer. Right. So I called the University of Hawaii, and I got a spot as a presenter. Nice. And I did a present presentation on facial recognition technology in law enforcement. And after, in, in the middle of my presentation, there's like 75 to 100 people in the room. I did essentially an argument with a scientist. 
and I win the argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, and afterwards, a man walks up to me and he says, uh, how would you like to write a book? <laughs> he was a field rep for Prentice Hall. Nice. And not having any idea of what writing a book involved, I said, yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> and uh, about 18 months later, my first book came out, Police Technology. It's used in over 100 colleges and universities. We're working on a second edition as we speak. Um, and it essentially is, uh, well, I can tell you, it's 287,000 words, 175 pieces of artwork, 21 chapters, and uh, well over 400 pages. Wow. So, yeah, it was a big project, and being ignorant and not knowing how hard, how much work that was, I, of course, jumped right in and, and completed the project. Right. And that um, that led to, obviously, you were traditionally published, and then... What was the next book after that? Well, the, the next book, and this is where I started to learn some lessons. Uh, anybody who's an author who's received an accounting statement from a publisher um, <laughs> begins to learn some hard lessons about how accounting is actually done. And also, um, because you're, re- you're responsible for getting the artwork and doing the releases and, and the galley proofs, and there's so much work involved in it. Mm-hmm. You, you really are, except for distribution and marketing, these days the writer is the publisher. Right. Uh, even with large houses, you've got to do so much of the editing yourself and so much of all that that goes on with the production of a book. The only thing they have is marketing and distribution. So I started thinking about how uh, I could um, begin to build my own marketing and distribution base and how that would work for me in the future. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, Prentice Hall offered me another contract on another book, but they wanted me to write with a co-author, mm-hmm. and uh, actually offered me two contracts. And again, this is a learning curve. These were co-authors they introduced to me, um, and those relationships did not work out. <laughs> I then got contacted by um, uh, Learning Express, and they asked me to um, write a series of books for them, which I did, and those were on how to take a police exam and a sergeant's exam and things like that. So they were little short books? Uh, well, there are a couple of, um, I think in the 80,000 word range, not really short. Well, uh, much shorter than that big volume that you did the first book on. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, I worked those on a contract basis, which means that there's no royalty attached, even though my name is on those books. Mm-hmm. And I was satisfied with that because then I was able to, in the contract, okay, I'm just going to write. Right. All of the other stuff, you know, you guys are going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, I was sitting at, at university in the copy room with a, uh, a new professor, and we were talking, and we end up writing a leadership book. Okay. And we go through the regular... Now, I, I go back to Prentice Hall, and they're not interested, so we do the regular query letter cycle thing. Mm-hmm. We actually sell the book. And okay. And we, we get an advance to a small publishing house, and uh, the guy's really excited. We submit the book. About six months goes by, and there's no contact. Mm-hmm. And so once we, I contact them, there's discussions back and forth, and they're just now starting their production phase. And pretty soon, this guy starts sending me emails about rewrites. <laughs> now, I'm, this is my eighth book. Right. So I, I'm, it's not my first rodeo. Right. So, and the rewrites get more in depth and more in depth, and finally he sends me one that essentially says he wants to do the whole project over. And I send him back an email, and I go, "Hey, look, you're not McGraw Hill. I'm not Charles Dickens. <laughs> Publish the book." <clears throat> uh, 
I end up we end up giving the advance back. Right. I saw that coming. Yep. And so then we go and we have a much larger press that they love this idea mm-hmm. and they want to give us a much larger advance. Um, in fact, the advance was uh, was the ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars, which um, for any any author is going to tell you that's a good advance. That's a decent advance. Right. Um, so as we start talking and get down to the contract, we really, both Andrew and I, my partner on writing that book, we really start digging at them on marketing and distribution. And they just don't have, they don't have our marketing plan. They don't see the vision of the book going where we see it going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's clear they're going to pay us for it. And it's clear they're going to try to put it out, you know, and they're going to try to do this. And there's not any real concrete. So we end up turning that down. Mm-hmm. And I told Andrew, I said, you know, at this point, we've built up, or I've built up, a pretty good marketing machine. I have 120,000 Twitter followers. I have my own podcast, been downloaded over a million times. Um, I have about 80 websites that I own. Uh, we have we have some marketing over here. Let's self-publish this. Yeah, you totally had the perfect uh, perfect platform to launch yourself and not need a publisher. Well, yeah, that was our feeling was that. Um, you know, and, and, and here's the metric that I use, and most people don't know this. It's my understanding that the, that a bestseller, to be classified as a bestseller, your book only has to sell 2,000 copies. Seriously? And, yes. That, yeah, if you sell 2,000 copies, you're a bestseller. Wow. If, if you're self-published and you sell 500 copies, you're wildly successful. <laughs> um, the leadership book is sold about 8,000 copies nice. so far. Nice. Um, and here's the thing. I don't get 10% of it, all right? Mm-hmm. Andrew and I get three-quarters of it. Right. So when you do the math on that, a uh, traditional publishing house with a 10% and a 15% royalty tier and also the book buybacks, holdbacks, electronic copies, overseas sales, discount selling, all the little things that really knock your royalties down, mm-hmm. they would literally have to sell... Um, probably 200,000 copies for us to have the same kind of income we've already had with the sales that we've had. That's awesome. That is really a great point for um, authors to understand. And again, you already had a platform, but it's not that difficult for an author to, as they're going through their process, if they're doing it right, to build up their uh, platform the same way you did. And Twitter's relatively new. So you you did a lot of work to get that many followers in your in your niche. That that's actually very impressive. Um, I actually have nine Twitter accounts because as you 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 use the right word and the word is niche. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so here's some advice for authors. Number one is your niche is not your name. Correct. Your niche is whatever you're writing about. Um, and so when you design your website, your Twitter your Twitter handle, uh, your Facebook page, however it is, it's got to be focused on your work, not you. Mm-hmm. I see that mistake by authors all the time. Uh, while you can go out right now and Google Raymond Foster, I will come up on my webpage as the number one because I've branded my name. Mm-hmm. That's not what I intended to do. Mm-hmm. That's a, a sub part of it. Right. So the, the most important thing is niche. And the second thing for an author is to realize that a book is like a child. And if you've ever raised a child, um, your writing, the day you get the idea for a book, mm-hmm. that's conception. And we all know conception's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. 
Okay? <laughs> yeah. And then while you're writing the book, okay, that's pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And when the manuscript is prepared, that's birth. But you still got the terrible twos, toddler, <laughs> junior high school, high school, and hopefully you get to college. Because it's a project that you've got to manage um, well, the one book now, we've been managing it for almost 10 years. Right. Um, and you really want to look to get a strong back shelf life and to understand. So, you know, if you're having this big thing, you know, if you're starting to write your book now, now is the time to start your Twitter handle. Now is the yep. time to your website. Now is the time to think about how do you get into the local Rotary Clubs and the Kiwanis and all of those places as a speaker. Now is the time to start on your marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, you're very fortunate now that we all live in the 21st century because um, distribution is not as much of a problem as you think it is. There mm-hmm. are ways to get around distribution, so which you you know marketing is the is the key. Man, you you hit it right on the head. Like before, um, I do a lot of photography books. So before I start a book, I do a search. And I see what's out there similar to it. And then I do a search on my title that I want to use. And you immediately, like you said, you register the Twitter handle. You create the Facebook page. You, um, you know, you get yourself out there in social media as that book identity or as that book series identity. So that you have some place to send people that doesn't have all your nonfiction, fiction, and photography all together they get to go to what they're interested in. So, like, you have your police books, you have your leadership books that are more all-encompassing, and you have a wider market, and you can t- you can take care of those people without uh, boring them with the part they don't want or exactly. diluting them with the part that they don't want. Um, exactly. And, 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 uh, and another phenomenon when you do it that way is if you, if you get a person in uh, let's say for your photography that you did on dogs, mm-hmm. then they're going to go. Well, you know, Deborah did dogs. I wonder if she's done anything else. Oh, she did cats. I want her cat book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so, once people, you know, you have to have a way with however you design your social media campaign and your campaign around your book. You've got to think through. Um, once you've got a customer, how do you close them on um, the, another book? Mm-hmm. How do you, for me? How do I turn them into a speaking engagement? How do I turn them into a consulting client um, once they're familiar with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. And you've built a lot of your platform, it sounds like, through your speaking. Your your first book opened the doors to, like you said, it started because of a speaking engagement. And then you were able to uh, get the rest of the books because of your speaking, because people heard your voice and they wanted you to then... Uh, write a book about it so you could spread the word more widely. Yes. Uh, and I will tell you that as far as marketing goes, uh, Twitter does work. Uh, mm-hmm. I have had books adopted by universities. Well, our leadership book was adopted by two universities because the professor followed the Twitter handler, got a tweet, followed the link, and the link went to information about the book. They actually bought a copy of the book when normally we would send them a desk copy. Right. Uh, and, and, and the book gets adopted. And if you get your book adopted in that scenario, well, you know, that's, you know every semester, five, 50 students are going to be purchasing the book. Yep. I mean, that adds up. That adds up. That's a great, that's a great resource. I think I need to change what my nonfiction book targets are. <laughs> make, make sure there's something the universities can use. 
Well, you know, we also then, because we everything we get for a lo- for the last up until the first of this year was based on really the internet mm-hmm. uh, and word of mouth. We decided that we would experiment around with some direct mail stuff. Okay. Uh, and so what I did was with the with the, the books that are. Uh, there's three of them that are good for universities. One is Police Technology, the leadership book, and then I wrote a small book on the history of policing. Okay. Uh, and the idea was then to sit down and do uh, an internet search and find, I searched for syllabi within the context of a leadership course or a, a police administration course, depending on the book I was researching. Then from that, from the syllabi, I got the professor's name with their name and knowing what university they work at, finding out their, their mailing address is not much work. Right. So it would take me about 10 minutes, and then they put them in a spreadsheet, print out the labels, and then write a dynamite marketing letter. I mean, just spend a ton of time, let a lot of people look at that, a one-page letter. The first batch we did had a 44% return rate, which on a, and that was on a, just a small Wow. Batch. Yeah, it was a small batch of 50 uh, and that's a huge return rate. And, of course, each of those people, uh, the 24, I think, uh, 23 or 24 that we sent out, we sent out a desk copy of the book. So you've got the cost of the book, the cost of the mailing, and the whole thing. It comes to about $12 direct cost. Mm-hmm. However, again, when you're looking to just, if out of those, if you can get just one to adopt it, and, yeah. I don't, that, and it's a long-term project. Um, in fact, I stopped mailing out in April... And just two days ago, I got a return three months later. Somebody wants a copy of the book mm-hmm. on, on the third batch. We did ultimately did um, a thousand of these. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, once you've dialed in with, uh, when you're dialed in with uh, the Internet, then there are ways if you, you know, use your writing skills to craft that marketing pitch um, and get your book in the hands of people who will recommend it to other people. That's that's what it's all about because that's what books are all about. Even though we uh, we think we're marketing via the internet, you you are also marketing to people who come to the internet and then they still have their whole you know they they belong to a book club and they can recommend your book to be the book club book of the month or you know there's all these people that are still offline that go to local bookstores or rely on recommendations from friends as to what they want to uh, read. Now, are your books available as ebooks as well as print books, or have you gone one way or the other? Well, um, and that leads me to the last book that I did, which is just an ebook. Okay. And what happened was, recall, during the conversation that I had a contract to write a book, and it was on police administration. Right. And it didn't pan out, but it didn't pan out because I did my job, and my job was to, um, one of the things I was to write was a chapter on the history of policing. And that went to the publisher, and the publisher sent it out to reviewers, and the comments from the reviewers were, you know, the, the most concise, best history you've ever read, great thing. You know, they were all very positive. Well, the book falls through, and now I've got this 22,000-word history of policing chapter that I own. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the thing writers got to know. You know, you own that. And so what am I going to do with it? So I start thinking, you know what? It, it costs virtually nothing to do a Kindle. Exactly. I made a Kindle book, and I put it up there for 99 cents. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. We probably sold 400 copies of it. Now, I make 35 cents a copy. 
and then so what I made 120 125 dollars maybe but I would have made nothing number one right but more more importantly I've gotten phone calls I got one from the Indiana Bureau of Clean uh, Peace Officer and Standards can we get a hard copy you'd like to put it in our library yeah um, and the answer is yeah and I can get a phone call contact hey, I've got another book so I thought of that small book not only as a good contribution to the field, but also as um, a lead a generator. Card. Yeah, yep. exactly. Yep. So I give up a little bit, and again, it was an experiment. Kindle cost me nothing, virtually nothing. Well, it actually cost me nothing. You can format it yourself, and we learned yep. to do that. Loaded it up, and we marketed it a little bit, but it's up there. Yep. And because you've sold so many at, you know, 99 cents, that pushes you up in the sales ranks and people get more visibility to your book that are people that wouldn't have seen your work prior to that. That's one of the things that we've been telling um, people that we know is that, you know, if you've got that, you know, $100 book or that $100 series of books that you want to put out, put it into $10 chunks or $5 chunks of smaller material so that you can get yourself out there and found. And it's it's reaching an audience that you don't reach through the search engines or through any other place. And plus having an Amazon author page will get you as an author. You know you know that when people search for your, for your name, they're going to find your Amazon author page in addition to your own websites. So Yes, and here's another, this is a hot tip for, I think, uh, authors. If you have a web page, and you should, um, unless you live in New York, which is the only state that this you can't do this in, there might be one or two others now, but this is going to change when the federal law ultimately changes. Become an Amazon affiliate, and then when you place that artwork, you put that line of code in that drops them down to purchase off of Amazon, making you the affiliate, and you mm-hmm. pick up another six and a half to nine percent on your book. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you can you can actually be an affiliate in New York State. That well, was can. that was the first state that um, they challenged the law, so they didn't drop their Amazon affiliates. Oh, good. Well, then it, it. I know in California, for there was a period of time yep. that that actually happened, and that forced me to form a Nevada corporation. Then they changed their mind, and now I'm stuck. I just did a <laughs> renewal on my Nevada corporation. Uh, but the point is, is that if you you can. You know, we're talking six and a half, eight percent on the sale of the book. Right. But if your book's twenty bucks, I mean, that's a dollar, uh, that's a dollar thirty, a dollar forty. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you sell three or four hundred books, I mean, it's worth the investment for a simple line of code. Well, and the other thing too is that it encourages people. You know, you want to get your book out there for review, and it's another incentive for someone who reviews your book to actually push your book because they can use an Amazon affiliate link. Unless they're, um, you know, in the handful of states that don't allow affiliates, um, and they're, it's a cluster mostly in the right now. It's like North Carolina and um, a few other states down in that area. Um, which was the one that was Indiana or something? Anyway, um, Illinois. That's the one. Illinois is the big state that that they dropped affiliates into. So, but in the long run. You know, people who review your book can can make money from selling your book, which makes them even more excited about making sure your link gets out there. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and if you're in, along that line of thought, as an example, this podcast interview, 
um, it, it's to my benefit that when you broadcast this, that you send me the link and then the, I tweet it to you know 130,000 people. Mm -hmm. So you get, and I know that'll drop 600 people minimally onto your webpage. Mm -hmm. So as an author, when I tell people I have this marketing base, um, I'm attractive not only as a guest but also uh, to them and their bottom line. Right. So my my point is, don't be afraid to share if you're an author. Um, you know, especially if you can find somebody whose work is com is non-competitive but complementary to your own. Yes. Um, you bring them on your own podcast that you have and talk about their book. Uh, they bring their audience, and of course, it's very reasonable to mention your own books. Yep. Yep. No, I'm. I, as you can see, I'm a big fan of podcasting. I actually got a, uh, around a hundred responses to the query that I put out for authors to talk about their books. So, for the next couple of months, I'm going to be busy doing all these podcasts, and you guys are all going to benefit from it because we will get the people from. You know, since you're one of the first ones, you'll get the people all the way down the line that come in to listen to the podcasts of the authors that we do in the next two months. And it's good for everybody, you know. Yeah, and that's one of the excellent, another tool that, that you use to, to get me here is a tool that I'm on that database constantly. Mm -hmm. And if it's even partly related um, uh, to me, uh, I will send something out, I will agree to do it, and I get... I just got a speaking engagement off of that, uh, back to Taro, right? H-A-R-O? Yep. Help a reporter and, out. Yeah. And um, I just, I haven't looked at the Tuesday stuff yet. But again, you know, what's it taking? An hour and you, you get to speak. So another tool for authors. Well, and the thing that I like about podcasts, um, while researching, I looked at some book blogs, and I'm actually going to add book bloggers uh, to the Book Goodies podcasts as well because they have an insight as to how they find their authors that they want to interview. But one of the things I saw is that there's a lot of written interviews. You know, like here, go fill out this form with these eight questions and then they just put it up. I prefer to hear your voice. I like having a discussion. You know, I don't want you to just drop in, you know, stock answers to certain questions. I, you know, as we're talking, you're thinking of tips to give the um, to give the authors that are listening, and you know, you're sharing your experience, and it's a discussion. It's not a one way. Oh, here's what I wrote. Hopefully, people will read it. It's it's uh, it's a more personalized approach. I agree. So they get to hear you and your voice and, and your commitment. <laughs> So um, you gave us a couple of good hints already. What's another, uh, what's something else that you would tell an author that's just starting out, whether it's fiction, nonfiction? Well, I would tell you that writers write, um, and uh, your job is to write every day, whether or not you are in the mood. Um, that's what you do. I mean, if you worked at uh, GM, they don't let you just build cars the day you feel like it. You've got to write every day. You may not write your best stuff, but you've got to keep doing it. Um, and since you write every day, you've got to get as much of a multiplier effect on your work as possible. So, um, as an example, um, I, you know, when you first start out, people will offer you, uh, uh, they'll give you exposure. Mm -hmm. So you end up doing, I did articles for magazines at first for just exposure. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, I end up selling them for a small amount. 
And what you have to be very careful about is when I sell them, I have pretty much a couple of stock contracts I downloaded and it's tailored to me. But as an example, um, somebody wanted me to do a series of articles on Homeland Security for a paper, uh, a regular trade, um, a trade publication, a magazine. Mm-hmm. So I did these six nice, and I sold first run serial rights print, uh, print media. And after they had run them, all the rights then revert to me because all I sold was first run. Right. So then I went back to another, an online media, and I sold first run electronic rights. <laughs> Nice. So now I got paid again. After they had run them, um, they were all centered on Homeland Security, so I grabbed the domain. I used those six as content. Uh, we created a very quick website, and uh, we optimized it. And it pulls in a little bit of traffic. And so with having my books up there and the Amazon affiliate, now for time immemorial, as long as I update, as long as I pay the $9 a year for the domain name, uh, Bell's six articles will generate a little bit of income. My point is that, you know, your work can be used more than once. Mm -hmm. uh, And sometimes you package it and repackage it for different audiences. um, And you have to be really careful if you're going to write for the Internet. You don't only want to write things people will read. You want to write stuff that search engines will find. Mm Mm-hmm. As an example, I did a series of articles, same scenario, on police vehicle technology. I then did this website on police vehicles, and I never got any hits to it. And I, for a while, I just stood there and stared at it. I wonder why <laughs> that, nobody ever goes there. I wonder why. Well, it's because people never search for police vehicle. They search for police car. Nice. Uh, yeah, so I went through, and I did a find and replace, all the, well, you know, the whole thing, re-optimized it, you know, about half hour's work, and now it's police car. And yeah, you know, a couple hundred people a month go there, and it's the same scenario. And that is, they're exposed to my writing, they see my books for purchase. Um, it is another portal into people finding out about me. Yep, I, I like that. You you are building um, small niche sites, which we talked about earlier. You know, you said focus on the niche, even though you have one global um, overriding thing that you would like to to talk about you've got all these little offshoots and you cater to those little offshoot niches and you don't ignore them and you can always take a little piece like you can take a chapter from one of your longer books and put it on a website as a teaser you know and uh, put it out as blog posts or whatever and then say you know for more buy the book and uh, with the with today's uh, Instant. Everybody wants everything instantly. Having things available on the Kindle, you'll get a lot of impulse purchases through that. Absolutely, and we did put that leadership book up on Kindle. It's about half the price. And here, you know, most authors don't know this, but or they may know this. A Kindle version, you can drop the price about half of your trade paperback and still make the same royalty. Yep. Uh, so, you know, I don't care if you get it electronically or not. Uh, what I care, you know, what my partner and I care about on that is the income. Yep. And you can, you can, as you said, once you get them in there, if they have a Kindle, um, then you can have them download that. And earlier you said that one book may lead to another. And I can clearly see that. I can see that when one or more of the different books will get up there, then I'll see people who will purchase it. Uh, because I know they'll they'll either send me a direct message on Twitter that says, "Hey, you know, I got your leadership book it was great, so I wouldn't get the history book. I like that one too." Yeah. Um, and, and and vice versa. So there's a 
you know, once people get into reading an author, and we're all this way, I mean, you get into reading somebody's books, I mean, you want to read what else they wrote, 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 uh, have written, and that works for nonfiction authors, too. Mm-hmm. You know, even though you're not writing fiction, you're still telling a story. I write textbooks, but it's still storytelling. Yep. Um, and it's not, I don't, that's one of the things, that the, one of the comments I'm proudest of is people will say, you know, this is a textbook, but it's so easy to read and interesting. Well, that's because I wrote it as a story. Right. It's uh, not dry. Right. You've got, and you can write, you can do storytelling, and that's what you're doing. We're storytellers. Mm-hmm. And then you can also take the conversation that people have with you about your books and know what you need to write next, because if you get a lot of comments along the same line, hey, I love the leadership book, but I'd like to know more about X, you know, then you know, oh, hey, maybe I should write about this. You know, 20 or 30 people have expressed an interest, so that means there's probably a few hundred thinking the same thing, and they just didn't express it to me yet. So it can actually give you a guide as to what you should uh, maybe work on next. Well, we took that concept uh, and probably pushed it a little further. Every book that I write has a companion website, and the leadership, which is at... Uh, www.pokerleadership.com if you could the book Leadership Texas Hold'em style and we use card playing as a metaphor to explore leadership I love so, it yeah um, well you know the, the, the title itself gets real visceral reactions you, people either automatically like it or I got one guy that sent me an email said that I wouldn't read a book on leadership using poker more than I'd read a book on using prostitution as a business model <laughs> and I'm like well, that guy didn't read Freakonomics because they pretty much did that. I mean, so... Nice. Um, yeah, so when you... But see, the thing about that I like is, as an author, if somebody has a real uh, real gut reaction negative to your work, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah. Um, because you got... I mean, you drew out this really hugely negative emotion from them, um, which means that there are probably just as many people getting real positive, but the point is that you drew an emotion out of them, and, and that's really... It just was an idol. Yeah, but on the leadership book, that book is um, oh, what is it? It's about ninety-five thousand words, and what we did was we were writing that, and having a little more experience at this time, we wrote it in conjunction with writing the text, the textbook. So there are various places throughout the website that say, or throughout the textbook that say, for more information on this subject, go to the the website, and then on the particular page, we call it chapter or supplementals. There are links out to different articles or exercises or things. And the reason that we did that was, again, if somebody was searching the, the, the subject morale in organizations, mm-hmm. they're likely to find the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by giving a little bit away um, and then holding a lot back, you know, you're teasing and you, you get a sale that way. And we do make quite a few sales. So when you're, if you're writing a book, um, you know, you can... Um, uh, I always thought if you're writing a fiction book, let's say, and you had a character and it did a whole bunch of things, and you had a whole background that you had written for the character but you didn't use it, right? I would find a way to write a, I don't know, uh, a two or three hundred, well, maybe a fifteen hundred, eighteen hundred word. I like the magazine length article, maybe eighteen hundred words on an experience the character had unrelated to the book story. That's an excellent. That that's excellent. That's an excellent point. And then let the character tell another whole short story, and and you might do this two or three times because you write a whole background for your character. I mean, it develops right. itself. And then 
once people get to know the character, you know, you can always have a tagline, but, you know, John Smith had, you know, did this, but what happens when he finds his dog axe murdered in the backyard? Right. Uh, to me, I mean, I'm like, well, I know John Smith, and I'm kind of now attached to him because I read about him. Well, I wonder what he would do. Yeah. So what I'm saying is, is you're writing your book. You know, remember, we live in the 21st century. You've got to incorporate it with the technologies that are around now and the ones that you can reasonably assume will be there in the future. So when we wrote the leadership book, we were looking at, okay, the companion website has to be as meaty as the book itself because it's going to draw a lot of people in. That's that's excellent because, and the other thing too, is you have your links in your book that lead back to your own site, and at that point you can do a capture, um, an email, you know, you've got your email list or whatever so that you can capture those people get them engaged on your Twitter or your email or your Facebook so that you can then reach out to them even though, you know, no matter where you publish your book, unless you're selling it yourself from your website, you don't get the customer information. So you have to be creative on how to get those customers back to your website or back to a property you own so that you can um, engage them enough that they want to give you their email address to be updated on what you're going to do next in this series. Yeah, and, and I would add to that, when you do a website, you do your contact information. One of the things that I do is I have a phone, the, the one that I called you on. Mm-hmm. I have a post office box, uh, and I have an email. And, and so I, this phone rings all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's somebody it, somebody called me a little bit ago and said, hey, I need to speak to somebody at the Air Force Ops of Special Investigation. <laughs> I got this phone number off your website. And so I'm like, okay, hang on a minute. And literally, I will just go down and I'll, you know, I'll bing it. I don't use Google anymore because I think Google are a bunch of bastards. <laughs> and, and I'll bing it, and, and I'll go, okay, well, here's the number, here's the main number. And, and I don't mind, it'll take me, what, two minutes, a minute to do that, but right. the phone rings constantly, and it's a dedicated line, and sometimes I get quack. Mm-hmm. I get people who, you know, tell me very strange stories. Um, Which can be a book of its own. Yes, but you've got to be, the more available you are, um, in my post office box, they laugh all the time because people show up there to meet me. (laughs) So people are out there looking for you, and you should find as many ways as you can for them to get in contact with you. So at your your office that you have listed for your Nevada corporation, people are showing up randomly walking around going, where is he? Well, actually, that's the California address, but not. I don't know if that's happened in Nevada yet, but at the, absolutely they have. And the guy will say, yeah, they walked over. They always point. They point to the boxes, and they go, he's inside there. He's inside uh, the box. Yeah. And, and they'll say, yeah, somebody came by looking for you today. And I go, well, they drop a business card, and sometimes they have, sometimes they haven't. And, you know, it's people who, uh, you know, when I did a book signing, somebody showed up with, um, like, six of my books. Wow. Nice. <laughs> Yeah, that's nice, but it's also kind of scary. <laughs> you're being like, stalked. Okay, you bought every every time I write a book, you're buying it. Okay, I, I appreciate that, but move on, please. Yeah, uh, what know. are you doing research fun? <laughs> yeah, and you know, so you have to be prepared for that. And that's, a, again, I think that's a good thing, but it also is like there are people who, um, you know, based on the Twitter account, I'm certain that they think they have a personal relationship with me. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, we've 
just about used up our time. I really appreciate you being on the podcast with us. That uh, This was very, very helpful and, and informative. Um, in addition to learning about your books, learning about your process and your marketing process is going to be very helpful. Um, I would love it if you could uh, tell me a couple of URLs or your Twitter hang- handle where people can find you on the Internet. A lot of our people listen via podcatchers and they don't actually go to our website so we would love for you to uh, let people know where they can find you well there's a couple things you can do um, certainly if you run if you just do an search search on Raymond Foster I'll come up at the top um, and that'll take you to my complete uh, CV is online at police-lieutenant.com and that links out to uh, that one there particularly links out to all the articles I've written, all the books. tells you a lot about what I do. Um, it gives you some, you know, kind of inside information on me a little bit there. Um, so that's a good one. And uh, my major Twitter handle is simply Police Officer. Okay. Uh, and we've got about, I don't know, it's over 20,000 people follow us on that. And that's where I primarily put out news and information about policing. But through that Twitter account, of course, we're linked back to Police Lieutenant. And at the very top, there's a big red print, uh, thing that says, contact me. If you want to shoot me an email or call me on the phone, feel free. And uh, the book that we're mostly pushing right now is Leadership Texas Hold'em Style. So uh, get a copy. Okay. I will definitely put a link to that in the show notes. Um, as always, you can find us at bookgoodies.com, and you can find... Uh, our interview by just putting Raymond Foster in the search box if it isn't the first one listed there and we would love to have your comments both on what Raymond has to say and on uh, what future topics you would like us to cover and we want to thank geekcast.fm for hosting all of our podcasts and you can find us at twitter at twitter.com slash bookgoodies and you can find me personally at twitter.com slash Loxley, L-O-X-L-Y. That's like in Robin Hood as Robin of Loxley. So um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Start writing and have a great day.